Coming to the close in a series, we've got a couple of weeks left here. We're in a series called On Fire. We're going after what it means to have lasting, godly change. On fire, to be able to experience God in a way where he starts doing some change in us, maybe even change that we've been going after for a long time and have not been able to see growth in. But we can start handing it over to him and he starts doing a work in us. And uh, man, there is a biblical way to go after that. And uh, there's the human way where we just try to muscle it and shape it and force it. And uh, everybody say, that doesn't work. That doesn't work, man. And that's not where we're going, okay? So what is the biblical way? And so let's throw the triangle up here again. And if you want to turn in your books, it's page 58. And uh, let's just make sure we understand where we are. Again, you look at each point on the triangle. You've got encounter, exalt, and engage, right? Encounter, taking some time to meet your God. Not just get facts about him, but to meet him, to get to know him. Some personal introduction of you to your God, whether it be through his creation or through his word. Hearing from him as you dig in deep. And see what God has to say, okay? Encountering your God. Getting to know him. And uh, next step, going up the triangle to exalt. And we talk about that with a couple of phrases. Behold and be still and be filled. And that's what we're going to talk about today is be filled. Exalt. This is where we spend some time before our king worshiping him. All too often we get some facts about him. And then we get some facts about what we're supposed to do, and we just bolt out to go do it. And uh, we really are running from encounter to engage in that. We call that muscling it. It's, it's putting your human effort. You've got some fact, but no transformation yet. And yet we're running out and trying to do it, and it gets very frustrating. And uh, so getting up into this exalt, spending some time with your God, worshiping him, I'm telling you, this is where the life change is. And now as he starts to transform you, 2 Corinthians 3 says that his glory pouring over you transforms you from one degree of glory to the next. As that starts happening, now stepping out to engage as you cooperating with him in this mighty work he's doing, and God gets all the glory, okay? Encounter, exalt, engage. In fact, I wrote these three phrases down. Uh, you might want to write this next to your triangle there. For encounter... That's like spiritual nourishment, right? We see the word being talked about as the meat or the milk of the word, right? Spiritual nourishment, that's the encounter. And uh, time getting to know your God, spiritual nourishment. Then you go up to exalt, that's the spiritual breathing. Spiritual breathing, taking some time to worship him and praise him and thank him and then also to get some sin confessed and some spiritual breathing and... Uh, and then the third piece, engage, well, that's spiritual exercise, spiritual exercise. I'm just telling you, if you don't have all three, growth is going to be hindered, right? If we don't have the spiritual nourishment, as well as the spiritual breathing, as well as the spiritual exercise, we're lacking something. And, and so all of this coming together, that's the plan, okay? And you're like, I don't know what's going on, man. I haven't been changing at all. And I mean, I'm eating all the time. And uh, are you breathing? Uh, no, I stopped breathing. Yeah, that's a problem, right? And uh, may we understand the simplicities of this, right? We got to make sure that in the midst of eating, 
nourishment. There's also breathing, and then there's also some exercise. How many people have you talked to where they're like, I can't figure out what's going on? I'm just not getting any physiological change at all. Duty exercising? Well, not really, no. I was kind of hoping God would do something magical there. I'm not really doing anything for myself. And so the spiritual exercise will be a big piece too, right? But the huge part of the transformation is God doing a work in me. And that happens as we exalt him, as we worship him, okay? Big, everybody say that, that's a big deal. We got to get this, man. If we don't understand it, we start getting very frustrated with why the change isn't coming down. So today we're looking at the third facet of exalting the worship piece, be filled, okay? Be filled. So uh, turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians 5, starting in verse 15. Ephesians 5, starting in verse 15. And uh, we're going to dig in here and learn a little bit about what it means to be filled and how to go after being filled, okay? Ephesians 5, verse 15. In fact, the first point there is walk wisely, Walk wisely, and, and uh, maybe the best way to say it is, man, keep your mind and heart prepared to walk wisely, right? This is our plan. This is what we understand is a calling, and it's a part of what we're going to go after in being filled. Uh, this walk wisely starts in verse 15. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best of time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. He starts out and he says, look carefully then how you walk. And uh, literally it means use your eyes and be mindful. The original language, use your eyes and be mindful of these things. Man, take it in. Be observant. Make sense out of it. Don't just feel your way through life. Look carefully. A mindfulness as you use your eyes. And uh, he says, look carefully how you walk. And uh, look carefully then how you walk. And please note, this is attached to the ones before it. Sometimes we see the word therefore. Here he's using the word then to connect it and extend it, right? Look carefully then how you walk. What's he talking about? Well, if you look in the prior verses, 3 through 14, he gives a huge explanation of what it means to walk and to walk wisely. And... um, I'll just walk through them real fast, okay? If you want to write them down, you can. If you just want to listen, that's fine. But when he says walk carefully, here's some things he's saying don't be a part of. And uh, make sure you're set against these, ready? Sexual immorality, like, man, it's only with my spouse in marriage. And uh, don't be a part of anything other than that. And uh, impurity, that's like wrong wanting or wrong thinking. It just, within me, I let it well up. All these weird wrong desires, and I just get after those. Uh, no impurity. Uh, no coveting. How come they get to have that, and I don't get to have that? Right? We start wanting what somebody else has. And uh, filthy or foolish talk. Filthy or foolish talk. Did you know that the language you use and the things you talk about actually affect your heart. And yes, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so here we're seeing filthy or foolish talk. The heart wells up and spills out. But I'm telling you, the more you practice the filthy and the foolish, the more we allow our heart to drift on. We start missing out on what God's doing. And uh, so sexual immorality, impurity, coveting, filthy and foolish talk, crude jokes. You know, the ones that everybody tells at work. Maybe even in your family. 
And there's the cheap shot joke to some ethnic group or there's some sexual innuendo or there's some, right? And what you laugh about says a lot about where your walk is at. That's what he's saying. Did you know that? Scripture actually says be careful of your humor. Crude joking. Watch it. And uh, stay clean on that. And uh, he says don't be deceived. And don't just take what other people say for granted. Make sure you dig into the word and see it validated. Don't be deceived. And then this last one of the don'ts is uh, don't partner with the disobedient. Please notice the word partner. It doesn't mean we don't reach out to someone who's disobedient, love on them, care for them, pull them towards Christ, okay? That's ministry. But when you partner with them, you're looking to lean on them. You're counting for something from them. He's like, don't do that with the disobedient and walking wisely. These are just a list of some of the don'ts he puts there in verses 3 through 14. He does have some do's as well. He's like, hey man, walk as children of light. Jesus Christ is the light, and you are a, children, a child of God the Father, and so you are a child of the light. Walk as children of light. Reflect your king, and uh, discern what pleases the Lord. Discern what pleases the Lord. God, what are you into right now? Where are you moving and working? And uh, expose evil works. And uh, those are just some of the ones listed in verses 3 through 14, just to give you an idea of when he says walk wisely, what's he talking about? Just put a little bit of uh, bite to it. Man, it affects your actions. It affects your words. It affects your thinking. Okay? All of me. Just say all of me. When we walk wisely, it's all of me that's being affected. Okay? And he's asking us to be that. He says, uh, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Not as unwise, but as wise. Um, wisdom, it is knowledge applied, right? All too many times we go after knowledge, and now we feel good about ourselves. We could pass the quiz, and so we just kind of move on. But it's knowledge applied. It will affect your heart. It will affect your lips. It will affect your thinking. It will affect your actions. And uh, knowledge applied. James 1.5 says, uh, anyone who asks of God, God will lavish on the wisdom. He will pour it on. And all we need to do is come before him saying, Lord, please forgive me. And, and I'm in dire need of knowing what the right step is here. Please pour it on. And uh, we ask for that wisdom and he brings it. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally. And he will pour it onto you. Okay? And a huge deal. Uh, let's walk not as unwise, but as wise. Let's cry out to our Father for some direction along the way. In fact, he says here, uh, a little detail to it, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. There's sort of this illusion here in the language like a tidal wave is about to hit of evil. The, this world is constantly raising up against God. And may we recognize that we have a chance to live for him and our days are short in doing it. Let's make the best use of our time. Lord, may I be able to worship you in my thinking, in my acting, in my doing, in my being. God, you've done so much for me. May I now live for you. And uh, it says, um, therefore, when we see the therefore, we say, what's the therefore, therefore? What's the purpose that's connecting them together? He's like, hey, man, here's some things that were true. So don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Grasp what the will of the Lord is. 
Just that. That's all. Just grasp the will of the Lord. And uh, have you struggled with that ever? Where you're like, I'm not sure what God wants in this, and what is God's thought, and does he have some latitude here, or is it very specific? Is he looking for me to do something very specific here? And what is the will of the Lord? I'm telling you, uh, it's essential in figuring out the will of the Lord that we also figure out first, Lord, what's moral? Like, where do you want me to head with this? And that's some of what he was just defining as walking wisely. And so here's what I put down. I just wrote, hey, three things to help us discern the will of the Lord. All right? Three things to help us discern the will of the Lord. We have to understand first there's the directed will. Directed. And uh, that means you like open up the word of God and you're seeing statements that say thou shalt not or thou shalt. Right? Super clear statements in scripture. Like we just read through in verses 3 through 14 that we're super clear on stuff to stay away from and things to get into. Look for the directed will of God. Open up his word and look for the clarity of God saying, yeah, don't want that involved in your life at all. It'll wreck you. Come over here. Right? And we look for that. And we long for that. I'm telling you, God never changes his mind. I am the Lord your God. I change not. So if you find it in scripture where he's like, I'm just telling you, this is what I want you to be about, then you can hang on that, right? And we start looking into the details uh, as we find him expressing, especially as Christ is walking on this earth and calling out as the church is being planted, what he wants us to be about. Those New Testament uh, statements so powerful about what we can go after and so directed, biblical principles, biblical commands, right? Look for them. God's got moral thought to things. Make sure we follow that. The second one, not just directed, but discerned. And here's where it gets a little subtle. Discerned. This is where we kind of have to engage our brains and kind of hear from God a little bit. And uh, discerned. Uh, I just wrote a couple of words underneath it to try to help us discern. Here's a great one. Open doors, closed doors. And I'm just telling you, learn to love closed doors. All right? They're very frustrating, aren't they? You're like, I want to go over here. And then God's like, yeah, no. And you're like, well, that was pretty clear, right? And clarity is awesome when we're looking to try to understand God's will. The slammed closed door is God's pretty clear, yeah, no, not right now. That's not where we're at it, right? And uh, it may just be a not now. It may be not ever. That's something between you and God. But closed door speaks loudly, and long for those, okay? Open doors and closed doors. So you're looking for some circumstances and some opportunities and, and maybe even the lack of opportunity. And uh, all right, open doors, closed doors. Here's another one you might want to write under discerning is uh, your passions and your gifts and your talents. Like, How did God make you? What did he design you to be and to do for him and his glory? And he's not going to call you to counter yourself at the deepest levels. Now, please hear me if you're like, who am I? I am lazy. <laughs> so any choice I go after will bring out my laziness. Like, that's not what we're, everybody say, not that. Okay, we're looking for real gifting, real expression of God into your life, okay? And him doing some things in you is usually him leading you to a place where you're going to be able to thrive and excel, hear me now, for his glory, right? To make much of him, not much of self. 
And uh, so you're looking to these passions, these gifts and skills. And, and uh, maybe one last part to the discerning element is, is uh, make sure you're connecting with some friends, deeply godly friends, and chatting with them. What do you guys see in this? What do you see God doing in my life here? And this is what I'm thinking. What are you thinking in that? Make sure they've got chapter and verse for being able to give some pretty strong statement, okay? And make sure they really are following after God big time. You're not just looking for any old person's opinion. You really are looking for a godly friend who loves you and loves the Lord. And a discernment. You put some of those together and you're looking at open doors and closed doors. And you're looking at your passions and your gifts and your skill sets. And you're getting some feedback from others around you. And, man, use some discernment there. And, and if you've got some friends and they're like, man, you got to, like, no. Like, not that. That is so not you. Do you understand how that's not a match for you? And, man, take that in. Allow that to be a leading from God at some level, right? Discernment. It's a great opportunity for you to be able to navigate the waters of life where you care what God has to say. And it's not just a chapter and verse, yes or no. There's some subtlety to figuring it out. And there's an art to the discerning. Spend some time in prayer. Spend some time looking for those open doors, closed doors. Uh, evaluating your passions and gifts and hearing from friendships, all right? That's a discernment moment. So it's directed straight out of scripture, discerning as you use your eyes, as you use your thinking caps. And then the last one I wrote here is uh, the declared will of God. Declared. Uh, this is when God audibly speaks. Abraham had one of those moments in scripture, right, where God's like, stand up. I want you to head over here. We have recordings of people having actual audible speak from God. In the word, they're hearing that. And I'm just going to tell you right now, I have not had one of those. And uh, don't know that I ever will. And I'm okay with that. And I'm just going to tell you now, again, some of you have heard me go on this before. Here's my little rant, my pet peeve. Please be careful with this phrase, God told me. Please be careful with that phrase. God told me that I should, dot, dot. God has been blamed for more things, right? God told me. And really what you probably mean is looking at what's going on and seeing what's taking place and feeling what value systems I have and knowing what God is uh, making available to me right now, it seems God's saying, right? That's the discerning moment. But we love to turn it into the declarative moment because A, it sounds like I got something special going with God, right? God told me. And uh, here's the one I love most. God told me to tell you. watch out for that stuff, all right? The declarative moment, be careful. We live in the world of the discerning as the Holy Spirit is illuminating, he's revealing. There is this subtle conversation and there is a lot of you welling up in it. So be cautious. And uh, man, if you're like, no, seriously, I heard an audible voice. Um, that, and I want to talk to you. That's, that's awesome, but I'm just telling you that is super rare. Super rare. And we don't see it a lot at all. Okay, and so you're really going to live in the world of, of God's uh, directed will and in God's discerned will. That's the majority of where you're going to live, all right? And cautious with the phrase, God told me, okay? And uh, let's make sure we put ourselves to blame a little bit in there. I'm strongly wanting this, and so I'm hoping God's telling me, right? That kind of thing, all right? That's going after God's will. Man, if we're going to perceive it, we got to have a plan for it. Have a three-step process, what does God's word say? 
Okay, so what's going on in my life? What do I see as opening closed doors? What's happening with this? And uh, am I having any special, unbelievable moment of, right? That kind of thing. Great. God's will. All right. Ravi Zacharias, he was headed to speak at Ohio State University. He wrote this on his blog. He's like, I was going to Ohio State University to speak, and the guy who was driving me there ended up saying, oh, check it out. That's one of our most important buildings in the area. And he goes, really, why is that? And he said, that is one of the first, if not the first, postmodern building meant to design and reflect this postmodern world. He said, I don't, what do you mean? And he said, it is absolutely pointless at almost every level. There's stairs that lead to a ceiling. There's pillars that hold up nothing. There's hallways that go nowhere. And he's trying to make the statement that this world has meaninglessness to it. Ravi goes, hmm. Did did he he do that with the foundation? And he looked at him and he goes, well, obviously. I mean, obviously, no. He's got to make sure it's going to hold up the weight. He's got to make sure it's got... Otherwise, it's dangerous, right? And, and Ravi was quiet for a moment, and he just said, you know, all too often, we take the foundation of Jesus Christ, and then we try to pack on all this meaningless, senseless stuff over the top and claim that's what life was, is about. And it's just not. And even this architect knows it's not, because underneath it all, he finally went to purposeful well-designed structure management that can hold and bear the weight when he looked at the foundation and undergirdings. Absolutely, our foundation has purpose. Let's make sure we also live out our life to have purpose, okay? So man, if you trust Jesus Christ as your savior, purpose, right? That's foundational. But so much more than that, man, what are you building on to the foundation of Jesus Christ? Walk wisely. Be committed to walking wisely. It's a huge part. We're talking about being filled today. And this almost sounds like the talk of, right, exercise yourself and and being over in that domain. But I'm telling you, if we have a commitment to saying, Lord, as I come before you, I want to make sure that everything in my life reflects you, the one who is wise, the one who is the light, the one who is my rock and my foundation, May my life reflect you. It's the beginning of being able to take a step towards being filled, all right? So question, first of all, do you have a foundation in Jesus Christ? Are you trusting in him as your savior? Recognizing that him alone on the cross is your hope. Do you have that? Next, what are you building on that? Are you ready to make that reflect your king instead of some meaningless postmodern world approach to life? Are you ready? Okay. Point number two. Allow the spirit to control your life. Allow the spirit to control your life. He says here, and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. Do not get drunk with wine but be filled with the Spirit. 
He's putting these two on opposite sides and making them somewhat be compared, all right? Do not be drunk with wine. Do not be literally controlled with the wine. Don't let it take you astray. And then he says, for that is debauchery. That's what it says in the ESV. Um, For that is excess, right? It says that in the King James. And uh, just so you know, this word in the original language is the same word that was used for the prodigal son. He's basically saying, don't be drunk with wine, that's prodigalness, okay? Don't be drunk with wine, that's wastefulness. That, that word prodigal, I just wrote a couple words down to go along with it. Uh, prodigal, uh, extravagant, wasteful, squandering. He's like, just so you know, living your life in a way where you just try to anesthetize and escape, like alcohol, and using that, and you're just drinking away the day, well, that's wasteful, it's squandering, it's prodigal in nature. In fact, when we talk about prodigalness with regard to alcohol, well, that's when we call it debauchery, and so that's why the ESV used that word. Uh, It's actually a much broader word in the original language, but applied specifically here to the misuse of alcohol, and and, uh, so accurate in what they recorded. Um, Just think it's cool that we understand he's saying, man, don't be a prodigal son. That's the challenge, right? And just be careful how you're wandering through this. Uh, Do not be drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled. Uh, Please hear me now. We've got to talk about this word a little bit. Be filled. This does not mean get more of the Spirit. Everybody say, not more. Right? You have the Holy Spirit. It's not getting more of the Holy Spirit, but it is more impact. Everybody say, more impact. More, say it bigger than that. This is like control, man. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit have control. More impact of the Holy Spirit in my life, all right? Filled. It's letting the Holy Spirit have his say in my life. He is present. It's not more present, but it is more expressed into my life. It's the Holy Spirit being able to have a say and have his way as I let him as I allow him, and uh, more impact is the goal here. And so a couple things about this word filled, all right? Three things about it, filled. First of all, it's in the command form, be filled. Just so you know, this is something to be going after. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, some of us may have been born and raised in a more traditional church setting where this is something avoided, and uh, this is something not talked about much, and uh, that's a shame, Because this is deeply biblical and right in Scripture. A super command structure. Be filled. Do it. It's a command, all right? So let's make sure we're about it. Uh, The second thing about it, it's in the continuous form. Meaning do it in an ongoing fashion. Continuously be filled with the Spirit. Keep being filled. Continuous. It's in the ongoing form. Some try to teach being filled with the Spirit is a one-shot. That is not what this passage says. It says it in the ongoing form. Keep being filled, all right? There's something to continue to take place there. And so the command form, the continuous form, and the third part is it's in the passive form. Allow this to happen to you. Be filled. Notice you are not filling yourself. You are being filled, right? 
And, and that's the Holy Spirit doing the work and you're allowing it. It's in the passive form. So your role is simply allowing. And uh, that's your goal. And to be filled with the Spirit brings great benefit. And he talks about some of that. In just a second here, we're going to talk about it. We just have to make sure we understand what being filled even means. So uh, most people, when you talk about filled, right, the first thing you think of is something like maybe a bowl or a cup, right? And you would fill it. And I get that, and there's nothing wrong with that analogy. It's, it's capturing a part of what the word means. The problem is when we think about being filled with the Spirit, you fill, and then it's filled, and then you're kind of like, done. I'm filled. And, and so we might miss part of what's going on in the continuous nature of it, all right? And, and I want to be careful that we don't miss what it's about. I think worse would be to choose the cup analogy. Stronger would be to choose more like a sailboat analogy. Let's throw one of the images up here, all right? So, this image is a sailboat that isn't going to catch much wind. And unfortunately, this is like what we look like a lot. And when it says, be filled, he's like, set your sail, man. It's the one thing you can do. Set your sail. Get up, get prepped for the Holy Spirit to have a work. And this is a super unempowered sailboat, right? May we not look like this, right? He's saying, be filled more like this. Here's the second image. All right? You can see and feel the filling of this now. The sail is set. The wind catches. In fact, in the original language, the word for the Holy Spirit, pneuma, means spirit or wind. Okay? This is a super big deal. We got to catch this. Our job is setting the sail. The Holy Spirit will fill the sail. Be filled. Set your sail. Okay? That's what he's talking about. And uh, just one more piece I want to say about it. So, uh, great. Be filled. Uh, How do I set the sail? How do I not set the sail? Okay, we're going to talk about how to set the sail in a second. This is what we do to not set it or to bring it back down a little bit. And um, the opposite of being filled. Scripture says in Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. It's in a context there where we're sinning, we're hurting other people. We have relationship problems going on or we're not actually honoring our God. Grieving the Holy Spirit brings the sail down. And uh, quenching the Holy Spirit, that's in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.19. What's the difference Well, grieving is the beginning of sin. When we step into something and we're doing something in a wrong fashion, the Holy Spirit's like, no, that's not where we're headed. First move the Holy Spirit will do is convict. He'll lean in and say, we need to knock that off. We're not going to go. Have you had that moment where you're in something and then you start to feel the, ah, I so shouldn't be doing this. I so shouldn't be about this. And the Holy Spirit's pressing in. That's a moment where the Holy Spirit is grieved. As soon as we're like, "Mm mm-mm, doing it anyway. Okay, now there comes a quenching. Holy Spirit literally starts pulling back a little bit and saying, I'm going to hold back on my manifest power and presence in your life there. You're going to feel a little bit of that on your own. Okay, that's the grieving and the quenching. It can bring the sail down. All right, that said, let's go ahead and bring an illustration up. All right. So we've got a fine looking sailboat here. That, uh, that I've owned for less than 24 hours. 
right? I found this, uh, we ended up getting this. Breck, Nelson, and I were looking for one yesterday. We found this at uh, Hobby Lobby. And uh, this is one that we found. Hobby Lobby has everything. Have you noticed that? A little Hobby Lobby advertisement here. And uh, so they had a sailboat that was like this big, this big, and this big. This is the only one where the sail moved, so we got the big bad boy, all right? And uh, so here's the deal. Holy Spirit movement. And uh, what does that mean? As we set the sail, we've got it up, we've got it loose, ready to take on being able to experience the Holy Spirit. There's literally a filling that can occur, right? And we can start to feel this as we, st- as we hang with him more and the wind of the Holy Spirit starts to build. So you got that, right? So it doesn't fly. All right? This is what he means by be filled. Look at the sail. Filled. Continuing to be filled. Moving this thing forward. No, nothing lost, nothing wasted. The problem with the cup analogy is it pours over and starts wasting off. Filled and projecting you forward. Constant change going on in your life. This is the glory of the Holy Spirit now pouring over you. This is when you're transformed from one degree of glory to the next. Here, spirit-filled, billowing, be filled. Now we get into something we shouldn't. Grieving. A little less moment and the Holy Spirit's convicting And we're like, "Mm -mm, I'm not even going to listen. And maybe even quenching. And we start feeling this. And man, do you feel the difference. Holy Spirit, I I feel like I'm distant. I don't know what's going on, God. I'm not sure what's happening. Is this thing fake? Have you struggled with that? Where all of a sudden it feels like the whole thing is fake. And as you start to clear up and get real with your sin and get real with your God. And he starts filling again and now we're billowing and filled again. And by the way, do you reckon this might actually be your weekly experience? Is Sunday as you get after it with him and you're worshiping him in a huge way. And then throughout the week and not listening, and we let it down. Where are you at? Thanks, Steve. Let's go ahead and leave it up. We can leave it there. Thanks, bro. Where are you at? Is your sail set? Like, I don't know. I don't even know how to set the sail. We're going to talk about that in just a sec here. I'll say this before we move forward. There are three positions you have with the Holy Spirit, and this is the end of it. Okay, three positions. You are either filled, or you are grieving, or you are quenching. And that's it. You are filled with the Spirit, or you are grieving the Spirit. You have begun to step into sin, or you are even gone to the point now of, and I refuse to listen, and I refuse to take the the, uh, conviction, and I won't step out, and now I'm not only grieving, but I'm also quenching. That's it, man. Those are your choices. And so where are you living life? Are you living in a sort of grieving him, getting back out of it, back and forth? It's where most Christians in North America live life, and they are not at all experiencing being filled, okay? Man, it's time for us to literally set the sail and be filled, and uh, managing our sin with confession and letting our God take over, okay? So how do we set the sail, okay? Um, 
I just want us to notice that there are some ing words that come after this. Notice it says, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and submitting to one another in reverence for Christ. Notice the ing words. And so I'm just going to tell you that these are definitely a result of being filled. Everybody just say result. A result of being filled, but I think you're going to notice something about them in just a second. So let's talk about setting the sail. When we go through scripture and we look about what it means to drink in the spirit. By the way, notice that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians, drink in the spirit. And what did he compare it to here? Drinking in little less spirits, liquors, alcohol, right? And he's like, look, you may take this in physically. Instead, take in your Holy Spirit spiritually and watch him do a work. So how do we set the sail? Here we go. And uh, you've probably heard these words before. And you just didn't tie them all together. So here we go. Number one, first thing to be required if you're going to set the sail. And we got to be saved. You must trust Christ as your Savior. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, believe that he has risen from the dead. Please hear what I just said there. Believe that he has risen from the dead. There's a lot of other things that sometimes we add on to being saved that you have to believe. But look what it says there. Believe that he has risen from the dead and confess him as your Lord. All right? Confess him as your Lord. You're in charge, God. I believe you are risen and you're in charge of my life. Saved. All right? That will start to have a fruitful effect in your life. It just will, man. And you're like, well, I'm saved and nothing ever good has come from it after that. Something's wrong with the saved statement. There will be a natural movement of our heart towards him in a truly saved moment, okay? And it uh, doesn't mean we don't have our ebb and flow. It doesn't mean we don't have a times where we're learning and growing and figuring out sin and learning to let go. But I'm telling you, there will be growth. And uh, we have to be real on that. True salvation brings to true growth, okay? Saved. That's the first one. If we're going to be filled with the Spirit, we have to be saved. Number two, Behold. You have to behold him. Have you heard that word before? Please say yes. <laughs> Two weeks ago, man, did a whole series on it, right? We're doing a whole sermon on it. Behold, it is about celebrating the greatness of your God. And if you're going to set the sail, yes, it's saved, and then you start raising it on this, my God is unbelievable. My God is awesome. I worship my king. There is no one like my God. You are my rock. You are my fortress. You are my salvation and my stronghold. This raising your hands, getting in the posture of celebration, man, there is a setting the sail that starts happening in that. You are not interested in the distractions of this world right now. My God will get what he deserves. My God will get what he deserves. Okay? Behold. It's a huge deal as we start to celebrate him and thank him and praise him for all he's doing in our lives. Behold. And uh, that's the second one. So first is saved. Second is behold. Third, be still. Have you heard that one before? Good. We got a little more yes on that one. And be still, right? We just talked about that last week. And it literally means now drop the arms. Stop 
fighting. No more quenching. No more grieving of the Holy Spirit. What needs to go? It says, be still and know that I am God. Psalm 4610, right? Be still. Man, as you spend this time where you are setting the sail on his greatness, and then you are dropping your arms and getting in alignment, saying, Lord, may you have your way with me. It is in that moment that God starts doing a huge work. And the saved, behold and be still. The sail is set. It's that. It's what we've talked about over the last couple weeks. Being filled, it literally means worshiping your God, thanking your God, praising your God. And then, Lord, I'm getting under your in charge. Please forgive me whatever needs to go. You have me. I'm sitting before you still. I'm not fighting. My arms are down. You're my God. Okay? In that moment, the sail gets set hard and the wind of the Spirit pressing in, filled. All right? That's what it is to be filled. Your faith, your confession, your praise, you are filled. Your faith, your confession, your praise, you are filled. That's biblical, man. And... Uh, we got to be super careful that we don't add more to it, and we also have to make sure we don't make stuff up about it. What does it mean to be filled, and what are the end results? Take a look now at the results of it, and listen to the familiarity of it. So, if I am filled, notice it says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Literally, you're encouraging each other. You're coming alongside of each other, and you're sharing the truth of God's word, maybe even the truth of God's word recorded in a hymn or a song as you're sharing forth, this is who our God is. Hang in there, man. You're addressing one another, encouraging one another. There is a huge corporateness to being filled. Have you ever been filled? Yeah. Did you love people in the midst of it? No. Then I don't know what you were filled with. Okay, filled, you will have a corporate love for those around you and there will be a strong passion to encourage and address them. And then look at the next, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart. And now you're literally saying, what song can I sing about my God? Man, I love having this on and, and getting some CDs, getting some MP3s, listening and tracking maybe with the songs we're doing here. Man, Larry's putting up what songs we use on a Sunday service. You can find those, track those in iTunes. That's up on the website under the worship section. Get some music you're listening to where you can celebrate your God. Music is powerful. It speaks it, it like rallies our emotions alongside of our thinking. Make sure you're rallying it to the right stuff. You hear me on that? Like I understand there's a lot of selections of music out there. And uh, just be cautious what you're listening to and what you're celebrating. Remember back to the filthy language, the coarse joking. The Be careful because now we can go right back into stuff that starts taking the sail down. Okay? Set your sail hard and worship your God big. And a yes, big with music. Yes, big and encouraging others. Giving thanks always uh, and for everything to God the Father. Giving thanks how often? 
always, man. Giving thanks always for everything. Making much of your king, celebrating him. May God get your everything. Are you hearing it? This is a huge celebration of thanksgiving. And, and man, does this sound a lot like beholding? Do you see that? Now all of a sudden you're back to thanking him and you're singing songs and you're praising him and you start with beholding and the end result is spilling into these specific ways of beholding and, and notice what it says after it then. And uh, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, it's all about his glory, right? Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And uh, please hear me, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, there will be confession. There will be a humbling as we sit under him as our Lord and Savior, what needs to be changed, God, okay? And as we get under and confess, God starts doing a huge work in our lives. And we start experiencing this change. Yes, confession is continuing, So we started with beholding and praising him, with dropping our arms and stopping the fighting, with confessing sin. That's how we got in. Now look what's going on. Now there's a spilling out of the joy of the Holy Spirit that's filled us, and we encourage one another, and we're singing forth in song, and we're celebrating him and thanking him, and we're confessing more. And these are the results of being filled. In fact, I would say it this way. Um, How you get to be filled is almost exactly what it looks like when you are filled, okay? There's a lot of overlap and similarity there. And man, going after behold and be still and the power of music, check this out. On a Sunday morning around here as the Holy Spirit moves in this place, what are we doing? Well, we rally together and there's this like power time where we're spending some time in music and we're singing to our God, right? Singing and making a melody in our heart to the Lord. And we're giving thanks to him and we're praising him. And we open up his word and we're like celebrating who he is. My God will get his worship. And then as we come to the close, we start to say, okay, now it's time for some real worship. And we unleash this close song of, Lord, this is what we're about for you. Are you hearing it? Every Sunday morning is a be-filled time of experience here. And I'm telling you, as you come in, God's doing a mighty work. And man, it's time to set the sin down and get the stuff aside and let God move. And for some, the only time you're tasting of filling is when you're here on Sundays. But God offers that Sunday through Saturday, nonstop, continuously be filled. And all of God's people said, all right, amen. Enough said, now it's time to do it. So I'm going to ask our worship team to come on up, and it's time for us to close our eyes, bow our heads, and let's spend a little time with our Savior. Holy Spirit, we do love you, and we're in awe of you. You are amazing. Lord, I just pray now that you would hear our thanksgiving and praise as we behold you in this room. Man, set the sail hard now. Praise your God. Worship him and behold him.
Remember, you are setting the sail hard on him. Psalm 139, God, you know everything. You can do anything. You are present everywhere. I behold you. Remember the power of posture now. Let's just reach up to him. Take your hands. Just reach up to him. Everybody where you are, eyes closed, heads bowed. Just reach to your God. It's time to behold him. You are reaching up to give him your all and thank him for who he is. He is your rock and your fortress. He is your redeemer and your stronghold. He is your salvation. He is almighty God. His spoken word handles it all. Praise your God. Celebrate him. And in light of who God is, what needs to go, be still. Go ahead and just drop your arms. Right before him now, you're done fighting. Lord, please forgive me for what needs to be forgiven. Confess. Get real, man. Don't hold on right now. You're like, ah, maybe I can get out of here and not have to deal with this. Set it before your God. Lord, please forgive me. It's time to set the sail hard. Now it's time to turn towards saying, Lord, please fill me. Holy Spirit, I'm ready to hear from you. You are God Almighty. You are welcome in my heart. Please fill me, Lord. You promise that you come to us. I'm trusting in you. Please fill me, Lord.